Hey spooky people, we wanted to give you a heads up that the audio quality in this episode is a little off compared to what we normally strive for. Our experimentation with a different recording service didn't go quite as planned. Our editor, Jessica, did a great job cleaning it up as much as possible, but please excuse the reduced audio quality in Megan's portions and rest assured that things will be back to normal soon. I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly discussion on all things strange and unusual. In this episode, we are coming back around to a topic that we started talking about in our modern folklore episode with Tyson in the fall. And that is the past and current fascination with Appalachia and folklore from that region and very much fueled by Tyson and I seeing ridiculous videos on TikTok. (laughs) To do this, I am joined by two substitute sisters today, Tyson Kemp, who is back again, and Jeremy Foster. Importantly, both of you live in areas that are part of Appalachia. You have strong interest in folklore. Both of you are on TikTok and make great videos that include some really cool folklore. So I am super excited. Can't think of better people to help me out. Tyson, do you want to start first and reintroduce yourself and let us know if you have anything new to share? Uh, Yeah. So hello, my name is Tyson. Um, I am a weird history enthusiast and I love to share stories from history. That is what I've been doing on TikTok and Instagram for the past two years, but I have a surprise sharp left turn, and I'm excited to show everyone the new part of my journey into fiction. Yeah, you have new exciting things, so hopefully some people who heard you on here last time followed you, and we'll get to see that, but if not, we will put links to your account and all that good stuff in the show notes. Jeremy, you have not been a guest before, uh, and we sort of met through Tyson. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I guess we're sort of meeting for the first time now. Uh, But uh, yeah, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and just, yeah, plug anything that you want to plug or stuff like that. (laughs) Plug anything I want to plug. All right. (laughs) Well, my name is Jeremy Foster, and I think most people would probably know me from my TikTok. Uh, the underage people call me Mr. Twilight sometimes, <laughs> which is fine, but I don't know why underage people are watching my channel anyway. That's a little scary. Um, but my TikTok channel, um, the Twilight Emporium, is my main thing. We talk a lot about Appalachian folklore, spooky stuff, debunking paranormal things. And did you guys meet via the internet or do you know each other from real life or what, how did this joining become a thing? (laughs) (laughs) We actually met at Washington state years ago when we had some classes together. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. We had a a couple classes together. Um, We became friends on social media and then we didn't talk for like years and yeah. like, I don't even think there was a reason. It was just one of those like life, like life's going in separate directions kind of thing. Yeah. And then, um, <clears throat> well, I moved to Columbus when you were still down here. Yeah. So I had, you know, 
like other people to entertain me. I didn't need you anymore. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> this is That's this not, is great. We are off not, to a great not start. True. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is over. Before it starts. <laughs> but um yeah, I saw that uh, Jeremy, we, we remained mutuals on social media, um, and then yeah. I yeah. saw Jeremy was making TikToks, and honestly, that's what inspired me to start doing TikToks. Oh. Yeah, I was like, hey, like, I always, I've always wanted to, like, create YouTube videos and stuff, but then when I saw him doing it, I was like, wait a minute, TikTok seems to be, like, a really good place to, like, get your foot in the door, so I started doing it, and then we started collaborating on TikTok, and... Um, you know, thanks to TikTok, we reconnected and became pretty good buddies. Yeah. I talked to Tyson more than almost any male person. And we live like 30 minutes away and we've seen each other once in the last two years in person. So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) like a a short distance, long distance relationship uh, in terms of our friendship. So it works out though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Although to be fair, like me sending messages about spooky things to Tyson is probably like more than I talk to a yeah. lot of people that I yeah. know. So. <laughs> All of my friends are in my phone. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you're an introvert. <laughs> First, before we get to Appalachia, we will talk about or we will do something spooky. And Tyson has done this before, so Tyson has to start. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Tyson, has anything spooky happened to you recently? Um, not in the supernatural. Sense. It's okay if the answer is no. <laughs> I, I think this qualifies. So, okay. In the previous episode that I was featured on, I talked about how we have a really creepy crawl space door in my basement. <gasps> yes. <laughs> and how it opens, like, you know, obviously it's like airflow or whatever, but it opens on its own and it's creepy as hell. Anyway, that basement is still the source of all the stress in my life right now because we've been getting these like torrential downpours in our area lately. About what, a month ago we got one of them and then my cats the whole day are just meow, meow, meow and their litter boxes are down there and I'm just like, what? Like I know the boxes are clean, like you have food and water and then I happen to be like, oh, I need to do laundry. So I went to go into the basement and there was a solid like foot of water throughout the whole basement. Because of this downpour and it took about two days, but it finally like the drains and everything finally got it all out. And then about two weeks after that, a similar rainstorm comes along and I just knew in my heart that it was going to happen again. And I rushed down into the basement and I see in real time the water just spewing from in between two specific like bricks in the foundation. And then I saw water coming up out of a drain and it was like a movie. Like I was snatching up the cat's like litter box and like a box of litter, like actively avoiding the water, like flowing up. Like it was a flash flood in my basement. Oh Um, no. Yeah. And that doesn't sound scary, but it was scary to me. Yeah. (laughs) Flooding in your house is like, adult scary times <laughs> i know Ugh. but yeah that's my something scary that is anytime there's dollar signs attached to something it's scary <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've i've had a basement flood before and it was yeah the worst <laughs> free swimming uh so jeremy has anything spooky happened to you recently nothing nothing has happened to me recently that's spooky I'll, I'll tell you why i've become so numb 
to anything spooky, spending the last two years debunking everything paranormal. Nothing, nothing scares me anymore, which is tragic. Uh, I used to enjoy it, but now it's just like, oh, that's a deer. Oh, that's the wind. Oh, that's just (laughs) illusory pattern perception. Like nothing, nothing is scary. Yeah, other than like just general dread about the state of yeah. the world. <laughs> just when I when I when I log in when I log into my bank, and look at my savings account. That's like that's really scary. <laughs> yeah, inflation. Yeah, I think I think the most terrifying thing right now is like cost of eggs, like things like that. Yeah, yeah, it is <laughs> true. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when I walk in front of a full body mirror, I get a little fright. Little, <laughs> have a little jump. But other than that, no, no, not really. You know, I like what you said about the whole debunking things makes you less afraid of things. Because like since I've started actively trying to debunk things that I see or read, it's been kind of liberating because I used to have really bad um, nyctophobia, like fear of the dark. And since I've become more and more of a skeptic, I'm like, what the fuck am I afraid of? Yeah, like <laughs> I was the same way about going in the woods at night by myself, which I unfortunately, well do a lot because I hunt and I used to be super nervous. And uh, I remember one time several years ago, I was going down to a tree stand and we had a feeder there and there were these massive glowing eyes and I didn't, I wouldn't go like I turn around and I went home and now it's like, who the fuck cares? It's just a deer. Get out there. You big pansy. And it, you know, it's changed my life or maybe it's a not deer. (laughs) Yeah. Could be a not deer. Yeah. Probably a not deer. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> I'm sure there'll be a lot of yelling about that later. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry though, I don't have anything super scary for you. That's not okay. Recently. We it, honestly, Paige and I are sort of in the same boat since we started this. I think early on we had a lot of things that we talked about from week to week, and now it's just like, yeah, it's either more mundane things like, oh, I'm just terrified. Yeah. <laughs> The world or things like like Tyson said, my basement flooding, <laughs> stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So I don't I don't really have anything specific this week either. So that's fine. Okay. So I like I said, we're gonna come back around to this Appalachian folklore idea. And like I said, there's just this like there's been fascination with folklore from this region for a long time. And I feel, however I've done this, I've ended up on, probably because of you, Tyson, and you, Jeremy, I've ended up on Appalachian Mm -hmm. TikTok, so I see all sorts of weird, ridiculous Mm -hmm. things. But yeah, it seems like there's like renewed interest in all of this. So I was like, well, we have to do an episode. And I guess the ultimate goal here is just to sort of get at the background behind why this is just such an area that's so rich in folklore and try to suss out why it's turned into sort of like a weird spooky place. So uh, unfortunately for you two, I cannot talk about, I can't do an episode on the Appalachians without talking about the geology a little bit. So sorry. (laughs) It's your expertise. This is spooky science, and I'm a geologist by training, so you're not going to get out of here without learning some geology. (laughs) And it does relate to our overall topic. But 
For some background about the mountains themselves, the oldest rocks in the Appalachians are over 1 billion years old, but the mountains themselves formed between 470 to 260 million years ago via the formation of a subduction zone and volcanic arc and then a series of mountain building plate collisions between what we now know as North America and a few other land masses that get sort of globbed onto it globbed onto the east coast as that subduction zone pulled them eastward. So you're basically thrusting these other land masses up onto North America. Everything is getting squished upwards and sutured together. And eventually we end up with a very large mountain range called the Appalachians, or that we now know as the Appalachians, and the supercontinent of Pangaea. And this is likely very similar to what is currently happening in the Himalayas today. And some people say that the Appalachians may have been as tall as the Himalayans were when they formed, but obviously they have been eroding for the past 260 million years. So they're a lot shorter now. The mountain range also does extend beyond what we consider the cultural region of Appalachia. So the mountain range goes from Georgia all the way up into Maine, if not Canada. I guess I forgot to confirm that. But um, it is one of these things, like just the fact that the mountains themselves are so old. I've come across several instances online where people talk about the fact that the mountains are so ancient to sort of support that there must be like some ancient spiritual forces at work or monsters roaming around. So it sort of like lends to the mysticalness of all this, I guess. So that's what's going on geology-wise. We'll do sort of brief human history and then we will jump into folklore stuff. So I mentioned that this is a cultural region in the eastern U.S. It's like a lot larger than... I guess I even knew, so that's probably on me, but encompasses 420 counties across 16 states, including the Catskill Mountains of New York, the Blue Ridge Mountains, which extend southwest from Pennsylvania to northern Georgia, and the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee and North Carolina. And it gets recognized as sort of a distinct region of the country in the late 19th century. Yeah, I mean, even just looking at the map of where the states are that are within this, there are large swaths of Pennsylvania that are included where, like, I would not think of some of the cities there. Like, I wouldn't think of sort of the Appalachian stereotypes at all. And I guess that's more like most people think of Southern Appalachia, but I don't know. (laughs) Well, Several months ago, I covered, well, I created a, a fictional story that I shared on TikTok. And um, the prompt that somebody gave me was, you know, write a scary story about um, set in Appalachia. And I set it in northern Alabama. And I had so many comments saying, like, Alabama is not part of Appalachia. Like, all I could say was, like, Google is free. Like, the the mountain range is massive. It is such a huge region. Like, like you said, most people don't even know. Literally, just Google it. <laughs> yeah. Like Tyson said, it's, it's a very varied place and there are a lot of people that live there and there have been people that have lived there for a long time so native americans arrived in the area over 16,000 years ago i think i saw estimates of 18,000 years as well by the time europeans arrive in the 17th century or start to sort of immigrate into the area the 
uh, main tribes are Algonquian tribes to the north and Cherokee to the south. The Europeans that start to make their home there are primarily Scotch, Irish, and German immigrants and uh, start to make their home in the mid-1700s. And this is like when you start to see, I think, sort of the shift of Appalachia into like being its own thing (laughs) and sort of people that don't live there having, you know, preconceived notions about what it's like because you start to see this romanticized version of the frontiersman. You get Daniel Boone and, you know, sort of this idea that people are living off the land and they're away from society and they're self-sufficient. The late 1700s to mid 1800s, unfortunately, Native Americans are forced out via a series of treaties. And yeah, like that's sort of where things <laughs> end up and like continue up until the present day. But what is now Appalachia in this time and sort of by the early 19th century is very much considered the backcountry of our nation <laughs> because people are like still in the process of making their way west and you know the western frontier and all this is a very romantic idea you start to see rifts forming between people who live in Appalachia and those that live in the lowlands or on the east coast and so there's sort of going to be this theme throughout this and I know that Tyson has mentioned before but just like the Appalachian people start to become like the other. They're their sort of their own thing <laughs> within this country. Or at least that's the sense that I got from the reading that I did. And today the current population, uh, or I guess as of 2020, in Appalachia is 26.1 million people. So that's a lot of people. That's like, what, just under 10% of the country? Something like mm. I can't math. Math. there's 300 something million of us i think no that's a lot of people to you know live in such a scary place and not die from things in the trees it's amazing yeah (laughs) a lot of people to stay in their house at night and close their curtains and lock their doors i know yeah and i didn't even look up the numbers of like the number of people that uh hike on the appalachian trail every year and all that so I'm sure that's a lot more. <laughs> but point being, it's got a really long history. It's an interesting place because it's very early on that it like starts to sort of become this like separate region of the country that people have these preconceived notions about. Okay, so I don't really take a lot of notes in specific folklore because I think we could be here for like a week or do an entire podcast on... <laughs> specifically the different uh, Appalachian folklore that's out there. I wanted to stress that, I don't know, I sort of separated this out into like, and and this is like maybe a bias on my part because I think that a lot of the TikTok stuff is like just internet bullshit, but like maybe that's not me, I don't know, respecting how folklore evolves or something, but... No, it's bullshit. Divided this into like the real stuff and then what's happening now. Importantly, there's this rich cultural history and a ton of traditions. And like I put in all capital letters in the notes, like it's not just weird, spooky stuff. Like there's a lot of 
traditional knowledge here and everything that isn't just like scary and the Appalachians are creepy and weird and stuff. Um, You're mixing a lot of cultural elements together from Native American traditions to ones brought with uh, various Europeans who moved into the area as well as African Americans that ended up in the region. One of the readings that I did described it as folklore's natural habitat, which I really loved that phrase. But there are a ton of stories, um, folk songs and ballads and stories that have been cataloged like over the past, I don't know, 130 or 140 years since those started to be collected. So you've got a ton of stuff here. That's not to say that there are not spooky stories (laughs) about Appalachia. And I'm sure both of you could, I guess, speak more to these or let me know if you have any specific comments about them. But you have sort of Cherokee-related things like Spearfinger, uh, the Wampus Cat, which I had never heard of, mm. which apparently is also known as the Cherokee Death Cat, which sounds sort of <laughs> very ominous. Very famous stories like the Bell Witch and the Flatwoods Monster and Mothman come from this region. I'd never heard of Moon-Eyed People or the Brown Mountain Lights. (laughs) But these are all, there are even Bigfoot stories, but these are all ones that showed up on like multiple lists of most common, I guess, spooky folklore (laughs) from uh, the Appalachians. Sorry, I got to remember it's Appalachian. Potato, potato. (laughs) I don't have an apple. So, okay, so there's a lot of spooky uh, folklore, and then there's whatever TikTok (laughs) is doing now (laughs) with it. And I think things have just sort of, like, taken a weird turn from sort of these stories that, like, have some ties to, like, native folklore or, I don't know, or just sort of, like, traditional monster stories to, like, whatever is happening. You guys have heard us talk about not deer. Um, I know people are sensitive about this word. So I will just say flesh pedestrian, which like, I don't even think they're supposed to live in that area of the country, but like a lot of TikToks feature talking about them. And it's like, well, I'm pretty sure that's like a Southwest United States thing, but sure. (laughs) There's like a very specific creator who likes to tell people to not look in the trees Mm. Uh, you're not supposed to look out your windows at night. There's like other ones. I think the whistling at night like might be an older thing that they've pulled in. Like I think that might actually be a piece of sort of superstition that's older. Yeah, that's from indigenous lore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, frequently I send Tyson TikToks of just like ridiculous things I come across that are like, here are the rules for living here. And it's like, do you do all these things? (laughs) What's crazy to me is like the sheer amount of people that share the quote unquote rules of Appalachia. And it wouldn't be so bad if it was just like, like one person came up with it and you have a few people just sort of like stealing ideas from them. But it's literally dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of people literally creating the same video it's like they all have the same script and each one goes viral so like i get why people are doing it because it's a guaranteed hit if you just say the word appalachia at the very least you're gonna have a hundred comments of people debating on how to say the word but like i mean it's just (laughs) it's literally just a carbon copy of the exact same video so every time i see it and 
you know, obviously I don't know these people personally, but the only thing I can think of is, wow, you're, you're not original. <laughs> like it's, it's okay to even like make up stories. I mean, that's what I do for fuck's sake, but like, <laughs> but at least try, at least try to, to be sell original. it as a reality. It, yeah. And they're selling it as a reality adults selling it as a reality, which drives me insane. And a lot of it's dangerous advice too. <laughs> Like, like Correct. remain silent in the woods. Like, no, yeah. you be loud in the woods so you don't scare mama bear. Like, it's just common sense stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I addressed that recently where I <laughs> got sort of worked up about it. I was like, I'm just going to make a video <laughs> responding to this. But it was like, yeah, some of the advice is like, oh, if you hear someone call your name or you hear someone screaming, like, no, you don't. And yeah. it's like, that is really fucked up advice. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've made it like a crusade to call these people out on TikTok any chance that I get. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because some of it could legitimately be dangerous advice because it could actually be a person out there screaming who's lost or injured and it's like <laughs> you just like why would you ignore that why wouldn't you just let somebody know <laughs> like hey i was hiking in this area you should go check that out and they're like no no you didn't hear it it's <laughs> like but i did so <laughs> and, and the whole idea behind this is that it's a skinwalker mimicking a human being which is a complete yeah. misrepresentation of indigenous lore anyway, because that has yeah. nothing to do with skinwalker lore. It's just the urban legend version of the skinwalker that people have distorted. And, and it's always purple haired white folk that are sharing this <laughs> stuff for God, like Barnes and Noble witches. And I it just it flabbergasts me. Barnes and Noble yeah. witches. You need to have an episode <laughs> on that, Megan. <laughs> Barnes and Noble witches. Yeah, I don't think that I want like the internet witches to come out. Like, after like me. if you buy your sage in bulk right next to a package of Godiva chocolate, uh, you're a Barnes and Noble witch. No, I would love to grab a whole bunch of like those Barnes and Noble um, witchcraft books and just you know cross check them and see if they even agree on the same thing. Um, because I stay out of witch talk drama because i don't know anything about it but like one thing i have noticed from the outside looking in is just like nobody can seem to agree on one single thing and i think it's so much fun to watch yeah i just i don't i don't i don't understand like how we've ended up here and i mean i guess i do because we did this whole modern folklore episode and we talked about what the internet likes to do and that we like creepy pasta and i also understand why these stories or why these types of videos go viral because for every person who's like yeah I agree with this like you are so right or you know relating some experience that they've had there's you know probably five other people who are popping in there to be like you're full <laughs> of shit <laughs> and <laughs> ultimately like those comments and everything like fuel the virality of that video so it gets bigger and bigger and encourages people to continue yeah. to do it but yeah like some of that is just like ridiculous and some of it i could see being like potentially harmful advice uh although i do love just like searching for not deer every once in a while and just 
looking at the ridiculous things that people are like, that is not a deer. Yeah, and it's just a deer. They're like, that's not a deer. <laughs> and like, you're like, what are you talking about? That's a freaking deer. <laughs> yes. And it's like, that is very clearly a deer. A deer. <laughs> <laughs> so those ones, I at least think like, that's pretty harmless. It's just people who are like, I don't know, have never seen a wild animal in their life. <laughs> the I only guess. deer they've ever seen is pixelated and in Minecraft. Well, I had a teacher. Um, <laughs> right. He grew up in a Mennonite community um, somewhere in Appalachia. Not sure where, but he grew up Mennonite um, on a farm. And somehow after college, he wound up teaching um, history in uh, Oklahoma City. And he <laughs> said that one time he decided he was going to take his class on a field trip to a farm. And when you think Oklahoma, even Oklahoma City, you still think rural, but like when they went to this farm, he said they were scared to death of cows because they had never seen one in real life. So, like, a lot of people, especially people that live in cities, actually haven't seen very common animals that we don't think twice about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. it would be easy to, like, freak <laughs> a lot of people out. Yeah. Are deer just kind of weird? I guess Jeremy would be the expert. Are you a deer <laughs> hunter or do you hunt other animals? I am a deer hunter. I've been hunting deer since I was around eight years old. Um Yeah. So, yes, they are strange, and they behave in strange ways sometimes. Yeah, but so do all animals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had a random thought, and I kind of I kind of want to circle back to the bit about Appalachia being folklore's natural habitat and just the diversity surrounding sure. this place, um, both with e-migration and immigration. Mm-hmm. Um And this story isn't exactly Appalachian. It's just outside of Appalachia in a little town called White Bluff, Tennessee. And it's Mm. the story of the White Bluff Screamer. Yes. (laughs) Essentially, the story is about a man, his wife, and I think they're nine children building a cabin out in the woods. And they hear this horrible screaming in the woods. The uh, but one day the dad goes to investigate, and when he comes back, uh, well, while he's in the woods, um, he hears the scream coming from like different directions and when he thinks he's close up on it it's coming from a new direction but when he makes his way back to the cabin his wife and his kids have all been brutally murdered oh no and it's sold as truth but when i was telling the story on tiktok and investigating i couldn't find a single trace of it and you would think like the homicide of 10 people would be like you know it might make a headline or two so Then I started to dig into the area's history, and it was so interesting to me to find out that just a few miles away from White Bluff, there is a town called Erin. Erin is known as um, the Irish town of Tennessee because of its extremely high Irish population. And then that got me thinking about the White Bluff Screamer, and it got me thinking, wow, this is just a new version of Banshee. Like, that's all it is. Mm But then I started oh, thinking of it even yeah. more about like, well, who was there before, um, like European colonizers. And then I was like, it was the Cherokee. The Cherokee have a legend of the Nunihi. And the Nunihi behave in a way that is very similar to uh, the way the White Bluff Screamer was, where you think you're coming up on it and then suddenly mm-hmm. it's in a different direction. I don't think these creatures are malevolent, but it, it was very similar behavior. And it almost seemed like it was this confluence of two different cultures coming together together 
the story itself was like evidence of two different cultures um, colliding in an un- unexpected way. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of Appalachian folklore comes from. Yeah, I think I just think it's really interesting, like digging into the um, the sociological history of specific places within Appalachia, because then you can it sort of makes sense as to why like a lot of these stories formed. Yeah, yeah, I think the sort of brief reading that I did about like the Wampus Cat, there was elements of the story came from sort of multiple things. Like there was sort of a Cherokee aspect to it, but also, yeah, whatever the um, Scotch-Irish immigrants contributed to it as well. There's also a modern aspect to that story where some people believe it came from a military lab in the 1940s where they were, where they were experimenting on these like super predators uh, that they could use in the war. And then this wampus cat escaped. So there's multiple elements to that one as well. Yeah, there's a whole, I don't know, offshoot of like weird cryptid or animal stuff that's like giant cats wandering around yeah. places that they shouldn't be. So <laughs> it could also like be hearkening back to the um, eastern cougar that was hunted into extinction from the region. So it could yeah. it could have been born from people seeing the last traces of those cougars in the area also. Yeah. Which like speaking of animals that make really oh my weird gosh, yeah. in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Uh but also circling back to your story about the guy in Tennessee, like let's say that there's a kernel of truth to that. Like that guy definitely murdered his whole family, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then was yeah. like, Oh, it was the screamer. It's like, no man, <laughs> it was you. Like, and you're just making up some bullshit. <laughs> To try and get away with it. (laughs) I tell that story a lot in my lives and people always love it, but you have to get really spooky with it and talk about him walking out into the dark and all that jazz. People eat it up. Yeah. So in general, Tyson nailed it on the head with what I wanted to get at, which is you have a lot of folklore from this region. A lot of it is very varied because you have multiple cultures contributing to it. And we've also seen this weird shift into like even weirder and even spookier, like creepy pasta based internet folklore. So we'll come back to that. <laughs> and I think this is sort of our, where I went down my own rabbit hole with researching this whole thing, because I asked the question, like, why are we so fascinated with Appalachian folklore? And <laughs> where do we go wrong to end up where we are on TikTok now? Uh, and sort of what can we do about it? Or is it just sort of it is what it is at this point? Here are some things that I learned that I uh, thought were interesting. So in this country, in the United States, in the mid to late 19th century, you have regional culture and folklore that is being used to try to establish a national identity. Uh, And some of this is like driven by like European efforts to sort of start cataloging folklore from specific countries. But this is especially important at the time because you're sort of finding ways to like define the roots of like the growing urban middle class. And you've got people pushing westwards. Like, I think I think there's a sense of like, where did we come from? And like, what are, you know, (laughs) what's our sort of like cultural folklore for this country? And we're trying to establish that. But writers at the time, in particular, a man named William Goodell Frost, who's the president of Berea College. I have no idea where that is, but great for you. Start to portray Appalachia as 
sort of an odd place and the people living there are sort of weird and frost calls the people our contemporary ancestors so like basically it's the mid late 19th century and we're like immediately at this point of like they're a living way for us to learn about our past because they're you know stuck there and stuck in their ways and like they're non-progressive and like we should study them to learn where we came from yeah like sort of is a way of giving these like urban city dwellers like rustic roots that they can look at and america is this modern and forward-thinking country but appalachia is pre-modern so i mean it sort of like gets sort of insulting to appalachia right away when we're like establishing this folklore, but it is this push to sort of like get to a national identity for this country. And that sort of becomes the central focus that we're, we're collecting stories from. So we started to amass collections of Appalachian folklore and there were problems from the beginning about how that was approached. And I liked this quote from an article written in 1977 by W.K. McNeil in the Appalachian Journal. He says, get the average person, if there is such a being, any conversation about folklore and usually talk will immediately drift to the Southern Appalachians. For in the popular mind, no other region is so commonly associated with folklore which I still think is absolutely true today. In stereotype, the vast area stretching from Western Maryland to Northern Alabama is a land peopled by Elizabethan-speaking backwoodsmen who sing ancient ballads and folk songs that have descended in pure state from their English and Scottish ancestors. These modern mountaineers are pictured as the prime American bearers of folklore. So... Yeah, like basically just here's the stereotype of the backwoods Appalachian person. And he goes on to point out like this is incorrect for a number of reasons. And most importantly, as we've been hinting at all along, Appalachia is not just the backwoods full of non-progressive people. It's a lot more varied. And like I have two people on this podcast right now who I would not call like backwoods hillbillies. So I like live in uh, the Appalachian region. So yeah, you guys are, sorry, you guys are living <laughs> examples. <laughs> no, I agree with that. And Tyson and I are both educated individuals. And I, I think yeah. that because of our education, I mean, Tyson, you have a background in English. Right. I think we've lost or just never, well, in my case, lost a lot of the Appalachian isms that are yeah. stereotypically Appalachian or stereotypically Southeast Ohioan. And people all the yeah. time, whenever I make videos about Appalachia, are like, you're not even from here. You're not even Appalachian. It's like, what do I have to do? Come out and bib overalls with a piece of straw in my mouth with a jar of moonshine? Like, how do, how do I prove this to you? You know what's crazy? I went to a local college, okay? Like, an Appalachian college <laughs> um, to get my bachelor's. And in one of my classes, it was a diversity and literature course. And um, one of our assignments was to talk about where we are from and why that place differs from other regions um, and what makes home special. And I was the only person in that class that was local. Everybody else lived elsewhere, either a different state or another country. And mm -hmm. when I finished my little 
presentation about this area and why it's different and special to me, people, there was like a Q&A at the end, somebody raised their hand just for a comment. And they said that they were surprised <laughs> that I'm Appalachian because I don't seem Appalachian. I'm like, I'm sorry. Mm. Like, <laughs> like, what the fuck do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's just like a really strong stereotype about who who is Appalachian? Like, what do those people look like? What do they sound like? What do they do? And it's, I mean, a lot of it is problematic. I mean, a lot of this, I'm talking about it from like an out an outsider's perspective and from the perspective of folklorists who are, you know, trying to collect information and like talk about the region in general. You know, and I we sort of laugh about like people on TikTok who are like, oh, I'm from Appalachia and like, here are the things that we don't do, blah, blah, blah. From your perspective, like how do people view themselves with respect to the stereotypes, what's accurate, what's not? Like, would you say that there's like, the, you know, this strong sense of like tradition and culture and, and stuff like that still in the region? So this is something that I talk about all the time on my channel mm -hmm. and something that I don't think a lot of people realize or, or something that I think a lot of people do is generalize Appalachia as one culture. But in fact, yeah. as you mentioned, Alabama or Appalachia stretches all the way from northern Mississippi into New York. And even though it's a distinct cultural region, there are separate regions of Appalachia that have somewhat distinct cultures. And that's largely because those regions were settled by different groups of people. So if you look at mm -hmm. central Appalachia, where Tyson and I live, uh, and also Northern Appalachia, there is a Scots-Irish influence. And whenever people think about Appalachia, they're always like, Scots-Irish, Scotch-Irish. No, mm -hmm. there is a very heavy German influence, as you mentioned earlier, in all throughout Appalachia, but especially in Northern and Central Appalachia, where we live. So a lot of the culture here that we consider to be Appalachian culture has more German influence and far less indigenous uh, and African-American influence. Whereas when you go south, you get far more African-American influence and indigenous influence. So when these folks on TikTok are really, in most cases, they're, they're appropriating indigenous culture and making it spooky yeah. and applying it to the entire region of Appalachia, you can't do that because... It, yeah. that's not inherently Appalachian. So whenever yeah. I go for these folks, which I love to do, um, <laughs> I make it very clear that if you are going to share an aspect of Appalachian culture, you need to understand its origins, even as Appalachian folklore, because Appalachian folklore, mm -hmm. as Tyson mentioned, is an amalgamation of many different traditions. And if you try to generalize Appalachian folklore to apply to an entire region, you're doing a disservice to the origins of that folklore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense. And yeah, like I, like I said, and, and like Jeremy just 
just reiterated. And it's easy for me to fall into that trap as well, because I'm coming at it from an outsider and thinking of the region as sort of like one cultural region. But I keep trying to like remind myself and say this throughout the notes, like it's a lot more varied, there's a lot more going on here, there's a lot more cultural influences, and people are trying to like lump them all into one group. This paper by McNeil does go on to talk about how there were a lot of problems uh, with the way that these Appalachian stories were collected, and that has sort of like carried forward into what's been preserved and like what people know about the region coming from the outside. But you get biases in the stories that were sought out because people had this notion of like, the only authentic folklore was like from these really isolated and primitive settings. And they had this vision of like what an Appalachian person was or what Appalachian culture was. So they're seeking out only the most like primitive or old fashioned or old timey stories and contributing to this stereotype of like it being an archaic region and archaic people. Um, And you also have folklorists which like I think anyone does who are a little bit biased towards subjects that they were particularly enthusiastic about. So you end up ended up with gaps in what was collected or sort of like biases in what was represented in these collections. And yeah, I mean, I think we're still (laughs) with that region struggling with some of the same things because like Jeremy said, you have people talking about things that are like mainly southern Appalachia but like applying it to the whole region and and there are different things at play here but another important factor in sort of where we've ended up in this region are socioeconomic issues and I guess more importantly how they've been portrayed by media so yeah there's this view of Appalachia as being like very poor and having a lot of poverty problems as well as economic struggles with like logging and coal mining industries like ending up leaving the area. So with respect to sort of economic issues in the area, you have sort of had this divide between people who've chosen to like live up in the mountains and you know they're thought of as like living up and off the land Uh, And it's seen as a difference from like the people who live in the lowlands and on the East Coast, and they've got this very primitive culture. And we're sort of perpetuating this idea of the people of Appalachia as the other. Um, And they're very poor and they're uncivilized. And logging and coal mining industries come in and bring hope of more prosperous lifestyles. But like, as we ultimately know, that wasn't necessarily... Uh, what happened for most people. And this stereotype of Appalachian people sort of makes it easier for industrial planners to justify moving the people, destroying their land, because it's like, well, we're bringing them into the modern age. Like, this is beneficial to them in the end. So there are pretty far-reaching implications of, like, how... I don't know how things as simple as like folklore or how a culture is perceived end up with how they're treated <laughs> in the long run. I think a lot of it, it goes back even to like colonial slash revolutionary war times. Because at, there was a point in time where the Appalachian Mountains like were the border where it was like you you don't settle across the across these mountains. 
Um, so then after, you know, the Revolutionary War happened, that sort of, um, I don't know if it was a, a treaty or a law, like whatever it was, it kind of just went out the window. And then people were able to go into the Appalachian Mountains and to start to settle it. I know by looking in the special collections of handwritten notes from the original um, settlers in, in our area, they spoke of this place that we think of as drab and boring as just this place of wonder and opportunity. Like, it was very mythical to these people. But then you have things like the concept of, like, Manifest Destiny, where it was like, and even puritanical beliefs, um, where it was like the wilderness needs to be tamed, and then also the the belief that we needed to keep expanding and all the land was, you know, the white people's for the taking and using. But then, like, so people just kept pushing westward. But the people that remain in the Appalachian Mountains, I feel like there is some kind of, and I don't have any source to back this up, but <laughs> I feel like there's some kind of belief that it was like, they stayed there, like, they gave up, they settled, they, and not settled as in, like, made a settlement, they settled yeah. as in, like, they threw up their hands and they said, this is good enough. And I feel as though, no matter how modern these um communities in Appalachia get, they will always be seen as just these lazy, complacent, backwards places. And it all stems from that belief that we should have kept going west. Think of things like um, even like the south or like in the plains, like how much deforestation went on. And while there is a huge amount of deforestation going on in the Appalachian Mountains, a lot of the region is untouched. It's still seen as untouched wilderness. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that some people choose to live in that wilderness is completely uncanny to a huge portion of this country and beyond. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, yeah, we can uh, talk about some struggles with negative stereotypes, and they're pretty bad. <laughs> um, but, yeah, these are people who are, uh, in general, uh, living in isolated places, uh, are seen as uneducated, violent, anti-progress, racist, inbred hillbillies. So I'm sure you guys have heard this all before. Oh, yeah. But this is all part of how do we get to where we are now. All these stereotypes uh, are fueled further by early 20th century yellow journalism. So we're telling sensationalized stories about moonshining and feuds between clans that lived in the region. And, you know, I think there was some of that, like, there was some reaction to, for example, a whiskey tax that they tried to put in place in the 1870s, but it all gets exaggerated and, and blown up to uh, much bigger than it should have been. Uh, another quote that I came across from Jeff Baker's book, The United States of Appalachia, said that few regions in the United States confound and fascinate Americans like Appalachia. No other region has been so misrepresented by the mass media. And I agree. <laughs> it's 
like the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, I have no idea what's going on there at all. And I've gotten like all these very negative stereotypes about it. Like I'm sure I've contributed to it ton, like a ton. Like you guys have, um, you know, like making jokes about deliverance and stuff, which I'm sure like that is a touch point in terms of like the Appalachians becoming like a spooky, scary place as that movie comes out. Um, and there have been more modern examples as well. But like even you all living in Southern Ohio, or like I guess you're in Southeast Ohio. I lived for a long time, like in the Cleveland area and the Toledo area. And we're all like, there's, there's like definitely some beef between <laughs> the two regions because people will be like, oh, like all this southern ohio people like just think they're from the south to be fair that's not far off um you know even though <laughs> like ohio <laughs> and like we're we're like right on the river so like ohio west virginia is kind of like you know yeah like i i blur the two together a lot but <laughs> like even though we're both union states yeah. um there is a shocking amount of people that fly confederate flags in the area um mm. so oh yeah, that stereotype yeah. really isn't too far off um a lot of a lot of Appalachian people <laughs> really do think that they're Southerners. Yeah. And I grew yeah. up, like, we called people north of, like, I-70 Flatlanders. <laughs> and I kind of grew up with, like, this mindset that that Flatlanders were city people and didn't know anything about nature. It's all corn. You know, and they were different. <laughs> yeah. Different. Yeah. <laughs> Although, to be fair, like, yeah, certain parts of Ohio are just corn, so... Yeah, but there's like, uh, I don't know, it's just funny to me. And I think I didn't even realize like, until recently, and it might have been very recently, I'm not even sure I realized until I, I guess, sort of met you on the internet, Tyson, that that part of Ohio is considered part of Appalachia. The geography itself is more like West Virginia than it is the rest of Ohio. Um, Yeah, it's, it's. Right. I mean, I just go like two hours north and it just feels like a completely different world. <laughs> yeah. So you have these like very negative stereotypes and that all gets perpetuated by the media. You also get, I guess, sort of more positive stereotypes in this like romanticized version of the region, but that people are close with their neighbors, they respect their elders, they live off the land, you know, they've got all these old-timey music and stories and crafts that they do, but it's all still very much like representing the region as behind the modern times and have like, they've been left behind by our modern world and like, it's different there. So that's all to sort of bring us to, I guess, media and perceptions of the region today. And as we've mentioned, there are, I don't know, there's like possibly hundreds, if not thousands of TikTok accounts dedicated to this sort of weird internet version of Appalachian folklore. There are several very popular podcasts who deal in Appalachian-specific folklore and horror, and I think a lot of those like are talking about the real thing like not just weird stuff from online i guess can either of you sort of speak to in general like where do you think things are with how it's being portrayed like are we moving forward 
Um, are there sort of like specific podcasts or anything that you feel like do a good job of telling the real stories, stuff like that? No. <laughs> uh, I haven't really <laughs> heard one that does a good job of representing anything well. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I, I would say that almost all of them add embellishments and bring yeah. in either fictional aspects like popular urban legend fiction or mm-hmm. folklore and, and traditions from outside the region that are injected into Appalachia mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. really don't belong. Mm-hmm. One one popular one I can think of is Old Gods of Appalachia, but at least they they disclose that it's a fictional podcast that is inspired right. by Appalachian folklore. And many do not. They just throw out that word yeah you know, willy nilly. Yeah. That podcast being so popular contributed to some of this. Um, I've had it recommended to me because I, I like a lot of sort of fictional podcasts like that, where they're telling stories either like over a season or it's, you know, individual fictional stories. And I've had that one recommended to me a bunch of times and it does seem like it's, it's well-made and, and interesting and everything. But yeah, I mean, I think, it's it's sort of part of this trend of wanting to talk about Appalachia and like everything is very spooky there and everything is very weird and everything is very strange and it's like I don't know how you guys survive on a day-to-day basis like how you're not just like stolen away by like some weird hill people or some sort of monster that like you looked at in the trees I don't know I don't understand it either and and in my opinion a lot of it comes from the fact that Appalachia was once in most of it a relatively isolated place until around the 70s and 80s when President Johnson tried to uh, develop infrastructure in the region and help with education and help bring Appalachia into the modern era. And Mm -hmm. because of that, so much folklore survived here. But unfortunately, because of that and the internet, um, that started to die out a bit. Um, And younger generations who thrive on this kind of Reddit creepypasta stuff um, don't know <laughs> yeah. their own folklore. Uh, so when someone pops on TikTok or in a podcast and is like, in Appalachia, there's windigos in the trees, blah, blah, blah. They gen- genuinely think that is part of Appalachian folklore. And it's absolutely not because even in Appalachia, people are losing touch with genuine folklore. Yeah. I'm always wondering when I see those pop up, like how much are, how much are just people from outside the region, you know, going for clout and going for views oh. and everything? And how much are just people who have sort of, of who are from the region, but have like latched on to this <laughs> sort of fake folklore? Even the people from the region that, because I, I can think of a few that are indeed from Appalachia. It, it's yeah. all for clout. Like this is just made up horse shit. Pardon my language. For clout. <laughs> oh, because fine. going viral yeah. is addictive. If you've never gone viral before, you don't understand that. But when you get a viral (laughs) video, because all you've said is there's skinwalkers in the trees, uh, you thrive on that and you're going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it over and over and over again. Yeah. (laughs) There's some variation on it. So 
we've gone through this whole history. We've gone through how we get these stereotypes, like how we end up in this place of, I don't know, Appalachia being this like weird, spooky place filled with like a bunch of weird, spooky people who have weird superstitions and stuff that they don't do. And there's like weird stuff running around the woods. <laughs> and like, I don't know if this is just like, I'm online too much. And like, maybe it's just not like that when you're really there. And it's probably not, but it is. Yeah. Like, and I guess that's important to, to know is like living the experience of like actually being there. Like I'm sure none of this is talked about or even thought about. It's just sort of like, Oh, that's just silly stuff on the internet. I think I mentioned this in the um, modern, not folklore episode, but growing up, we didn't hear stories about like um, flesh pedestrians and creepy things in the woods and don't look out your window at night. We never heard anything <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, but what we did hear were things such as like uh, local ghost stories. <laughs> Almost everyone I knew had some kind of Bigfoot story or someone they knew had one. Um, so like that kind of folklore does absolutely exist here. Like it does almost everywhere in this country, but like as far as like the stuff that's circulating on TikTok, it's just kind of made up bullshit. And one person had a lot of success with it. And now you just have a lot of people just, they're mm. kind of like the seagulls from Finding Nemo. They're just repeating it constantly. <laughs> and again, there, there are little aspects of what they say that do come from elements of Appalachian folklore, particularly mm -hmm. when they usurp uh, indigenous folklore, like the don't whistle in the woods. That mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. is part of Cherokee folklore. But the Cherokee didn't, they didn't hold influence over the entire region of Appalachia. So when these, again, purple haired Barnes and Noble <laughs> witches come on and start claiming that, oh, this is Appalachian. No, it's not. You are appropriating and misrepresenting indigenous folklore, not giving them credit and making it your own uh, for clout. And that is wrong. I get very passionate about this if you can't tell. Like, no, no, no. Purple haired Barnes right. and Noble witches. That's going to be our garage band. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So you're saying like people are appropriating native mm. folklore and that's problematic, especially like when the goal is to get clout. I guess to like... <laughs> To play devil's advocate, which I hate to do sort of on this topic, but like that's, I mean, it's been a thing in that region for a while though, right? Like you still have native folklore and sort of like these classic Appalachian stories that's out there. So like, I guess, where do you draw the line between what's just like an, evolu an evolution of folklore and, and what becomes like just total bullshit appropriation? I'm going to jump in on that because I talk about it all the time. So probably the most blaring or glaring, whatever the word is, example of that is the skinwalker. I say skinwalker, and this is something I discuss a lot because that's the English translation of the yeah. word that we don't say. Skinwalkers uh -huh. have not a damn thing to do with the Appalachian region. They are distinctly yeah. uh, southwestern in origin from several different indigenous peoples living in what is now the Southwest U.S. There are other groups that uh, lived in what we now call Appalachia who had similar entities. Uh, the, Mo uh, the Mohawk people had something similar that 
uh, used bear skins to turn into bears, etc. But they're not skinwalkers. Mm -hmm. And even the idea of a skinwalker is this monster that looks kind of like a person, but isn't, that mimics mm -hmm. human beings and can turn into fucking chihuahuas. <laughs> this has nothing to do, nothing to do with actual skinwalker lore. So when you have yeah. these folks injecting skinwalkers into Appalachian folklore, claiming it is Appalachian, that is appropriation and misrepresentation. And it's, it's not appropriate. Same can be said for yeah. the Wendigo. Because yeah. the Wendigo comes from indigenous people who lived primarily around the, the northern Great Lakes, northeast Canada, and the northern Great Plains. It's, it's strongly associated with horrible winters. Yeah. And other than the most northern regions of Appalachia, where there may have been some cultural exchange, they shouldn't be associated with Appalachia either. Yet you have both constantly being injected into Appalachia, you know, uh, and these folks are constantly using them uh, uh, for clout. And that's inappropriate. In my mm -hmm. You want to talk about the Wampus Cat? You want to talk about Spearfinger? Uh, you want to talk about Pukwaji? Uh, little people, the Moon-Eyed yeah. moon people are from indigenous lore. That's fine because those all have origins in the region we call Appalachia. But you should still point out these are the people, the indigenous people, these stories come from, even if it's, even if it's truly Appalachian. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like, uh, skinwalkers and wendigos and everything are sort of like the epitome of like, you know, scary native American stuff to the internet. But it's like, man, spearfinger stories yeah. are terrifying. Just go with that. <laughs> it's just combining trends. You know, uh, you, you throw hashtag skinwalker and hashtag Appalachia in a video and you are guaranteed to get views. Uh, so it's just like, yeah. how many yeah. trendy words can we throw into one video? It's strange because like you have like the bastardization of like this rich folklore. Um, but then you also on the flip side, well, I don't know if it's a flip side, but you also have a huge community um, like the pseudo archaeology community on TikTok. The same people that think that aliens mm. made the pyramids. Yeah. Now they're claiming that ancient Celtic people were in Appalachia before the indigenous people yeah, were in Appalachia. Yeah, yeah. There's like a rock in West Virginia that someone tried to claim had Algam script that was written on it by mm -hmm. Celtic. Yeah, that's what I was referencing. That's horseshit. <laughs> I'm not indigenous, but I can only imagine how much that would offend and annoy somebody who was. And it's just, it's immensely disrespectful. <laughs> I can't speak on it as an expert or anything, but just outside looking in, it's... It's a head scratcher for sure. And I just don't understand why we can't share or even create our own folklore, um, which I suppose we are kind of doing on TikTok and the like. But it's painting the area in a negative light as well. It's it's also hearkening back to the whole backwoods hillbilly thing. I think you're right that like it's all just sort of part of the same trend that's been going on for the past like, I don't know. 300 right. years, 250 years to sort of just like isolate Appalachia as like this weird place with a bunch of for weirdos sure. living there. Um, but like in my hometown, for example, like I found this amazing book. It was like a 1000 page book of a very detailed history of every single community in my county. Um, so my mind, my history loving mind was just blown reading this. And then I was reading about my hometown 
And apparently at one point when the area was first settled, there was this area where I guess one or more horse skulls were hanging from a tree. And looking back, it's kind of like obvious it was like a trail marker because a really popular trade route went through that town um, that was utilized before colonization. But in that article, it ri- it lists it as something that was met with superstitious wonder and dread. So, like, this is nothing, nothing new. Like, even on a very, very small scale, yeah. like my hometown of, like, 300 people. So, there, it, there's just, like, a whole spectrum of, like, you can, like, just zoom in or zoom way out. This whole mindset is has always been here. And it's just, it keeps morphing and shifting into something different. And people, I don't think, realize or they don't care that like you mentioned before, you know, painting a picture of Appalachia is being filled with these backwood, ignorant backwoods, ignorant people is something that big business in particular has used to exploit the region. And Mm -hmm. when you paint a picture of Appalachia as this overly paranormal, scary place, sure. It's spooky and it's got a lot of scary stories. Every region does. Appalachia, there's maybe a few more, but when you exaggerate how scary it is, not only are you perpetuating the negative stereotypes that help big business continue to exploit the region, but you're also pushing people away from a region that depends heavily on tourism uh, for its economic well-being. Like if you go to those videos that, that those people are posting, especially the Don't Look in the Trees gal, When you look through the comments, you will literally see adults saying, I saved a few. One of them was a person who was a trail runner, and she literally said, I was planning on running the Appalachian Trail, and I'm not going to do it now after watching your video. So you you are hurting, well, not you, but they are hurting the economic (laughs) well-being of a region that is already hurting economically. It's just so pathetic that they're willing to do that for no other reason than to go viral and get views or sell t-shirts. Like you're, you're literally hurting people's lives and it's just, it's pathetic. Something I do want to note is that we, we are sort of seeing a shift in communities in Appalachia owning their weird history and their folklore. And I love it. Like the best example I can think of without a doubt is Point Pleasant's Mothman Festival. That Mm. is yeah. (laughs) like, I feel like, I mean, if you've been to Point Pleasant, it's, um, it's a quaint little town. It's cute. People are nice, but there's not much to it. It's just like, you're kind of river town in decay. Which, sadly, that's like a dime a dozen around here. But without that festival, they would be nothing. For the most, like, people wouldn't know Point Pleasant without (laughs) that festival. Um, And so now they are capitalizing on the infamy of Mothman back in the 1960s, late 1960s. And it's it's great. Like, people have a blast. I went to the last one, and I ran into a few TikTokers that I'm mutuals with. It was it was great. And, like, we're all in the same niche. And I was like, oh, my God, you're this person. And they're like, oh, my God, you're that person. Like, it was just so cool. Um, so, like, there is a way to celebrate the eccentric parts of our histories without it becoming – and you could argue that that would be exploitative. But, like, who's being exploited? A fictional mothman? It's, it's just, like – it, it's great. <laughs> well, and and that's a situation where you you know that this is based on uh, just a certain uh, right. a few encounters, right? 
It's not like yeah. it's not like people are claiming, oh yeah, Mothman is flying around all over the place, tearing down bridges and yeah. well you know, now he's in Chicago. Uh, yeah. so. <laughs> Whereas these folks are acting like just the whole region itself is a scary place where you're gonna get I they've even referred to them as predators, you know, that are around yeah. every corner, like making people scared shitless. Can we have a things uh, in the trees fest? <laughs> To even step foot in the woods. Where are you going to have it? In the trees fest. No one will go because they're all locked in their house with their curtains closed. I, I don't know where we could have that. But like even it. like Flatwoods, West Virginia, again, a town of yeah. like next to nobody, even even they have their own little like tourism industry going on yeah. um, where you can take pictures with wooden cutouts of the Flatwoods monster. Like, so I mean, like there's a way to like own the darkness without being off putting. Yeah. And I guess I should, you know, I've sort of been approaching this from the side of like a more negative light of like all this Appalachia is a, is a spooky place and, and all this, but like, yeah, there is, there are sort of like these classic spooky stories that I mentioned before and, you know, like Mothman and Flatwoods monster and stuff like that. And like, I'm all for people taking the sort of like, yeah, you know, keep our city weird <laughs> approach, you know, like it can be, it can still be like sort of quirky and, and different and you can have your own, unique identity based on you know something fun like that but importantly it's like it's those people taking ownership of it it's not yeah i don't right. know random people on the internet <laughs> talking about bullshit yeah. because if you when you go through those comments you'll see people from the appalachian region particularly young people who are like oh yeah i grew my my nana told me this or something but then you'll yeah. find older people from the region and I see it a lot in the videos that I make that are just like, what in the fuck are these people talking about? I go outside in the dark <laughs> all the time. I coon hunt all the time. I have to milk my cows at four o'clock in the morning in the dark all the time. What are you talking about? Yeah, I can't decide like how some of these people get away with it. Like, especially in the case of sort of like appropriating indigenous folklore. Like, I'm shocked that there's not more pushback. But like, even just the stuff that's like, so clearly bullshit that there's not like, you have to scroll for a while and comment sometimes to like get to ones that are not agreeing. So I don't know if they're just like, they've got a ton of comment filters on that's like, that are catching all these negative comments and blocking people or like deleting comments. I don't know. It's such a weird thing. It could be that. And I think it's also the way that the algorithm works. Like most yeah. people who are seeing those videos are people who want to see videos like that. And, and yeah. they've strayed into that area from someone else duetting or stitching it or something. Most yeah. people, <laughs> most people are going to agree with what they're seeing because they want to. I guess TikTok just shows it to me, yeah. so I feel like <laughs> rage all the time. That probably is ice and ice fault because I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's why I've dragged you here tonight. <laughs> now you have to listen to me. Um, <laughs> okay, well. I think we made some good points. Do you guys have anything else that you, I guess, want to address or that you thought about that you want to come back to? Anything like that before we wrap up? Well, I did want to add, if people want to look into genuine Appalachian folklore, there's some really good books that you should get. Um, one of which is called Signs, Cures, and Witchery by Gerald Milnes. Also, Appalachian Magazine puts out several books um, related to the region and the folklore 
but one in particular called Mountain Superstitions, Ghost Stories, and Haint Tales is really great. And then there's an author named Jake Richards, who is from the region, who has several books about Appalachian folk magic, but those books generally contain folklore and stories and things like that. So his books, I also highly recommend as well. And I can assure you that in none of those books, is there anything mentioned about something in the trees? <laughs> or deer. No, no, not deer. No, me that jazz. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, there are like, there are fun ghost stories. You said like the hate yeah. tales. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like there is some of that and that's, fun to read about fun to embrace but yeah some of the like folk magic and sort of folk medicine stuff is is really cool as well tyson any final thoughts i guess it would just be building on what jeremy kind of said um earlier if you really are somebody that's really curious and really passionate about appalachian folklore i'd really recommend looking up um, you know, small town legends throughout the Appalachian region, finding businesses that claim to be haunted and supporting those businesses, because this is a region that is by and large disadvantaged and has been left behind by a lot of the country. So, yeah, if that's something that you're really passionate about, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. And sort of like left behind by design. <laughs> like. in the fact that like left behind and by by design and i mean like for a long time it's been seen as like this is the past this is how we used to live like we're not doing that anymore these are just the people living up there that wraps up our discussion on appalachia our next episode will be a deep dive into the ancient aliens phenomena with two substitute sisters annalise who was featured previously in our ancient egypt discussion and a new friend of the podcast and host of the digging up ancient aliens podcast friedrich if you liked this episode hit subscribe and share with a friend Check the show notes for links to all of our social media accounts, our Discord server, and Patreon. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookySciencesisters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. Spooky Science Sisters is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information or to check out other shows, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Science! 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 Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist Podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes! Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes, yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.